Welcome to another episode Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas. Alrighty, guys, we're back with another edition of Behind the Vinyl. Uh, we've got Nicholas as per usual. Um, yes. And on the line from from California, right? Nashville. I'm in Nashville. Dude, Nashville. We got Jared James Nichols. <laughs> hey, man, how are you? Hey, brother. I'm great. Thanks for taking the time, man. Thanks for the call. Dude, absolutely, man. Nashville, what a great city, man. Oh, it's beautiful. And the weather is beautiful right now, too, which is a, a bonus, you know, to be to be here and to be able to hang out outside and grill out. It's really nice. It's like every every rock star now has moved from I know you still live in L.A., but has moved from L.A. to Nashville. That's like that's like has become like the sunset strip of the thousands. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. There's I, I can't believe it. You know, when I first came down here, uh, I went to a buddy's house and he had a studio in his house. And now, you know, living in Hollywood to have a studio in your house, you you you're like a bonafide rock star but here he was just my friend and uh, he's like oh yeah we can go fishing later and you know we can go over here and go jam over here it's like the musicians american like playground now like <laughs> everybody's down here and it's so crazy i was at uh you know carter vintage guitars like an old vintage guitar shop man and i walk in and it's like all these country dudes are there and i'm like hey that guy looks familiar oh yeah that's vince gill or you know you go and there's it's it's really cool, man. That's nice. <laughs> the, the the first time I went there, do you know the band Hailstorm? Of course, yeah, good friends of mine, man. All right. The the first time I went there, I was out with um, Joe and Lizzie, and we just went to this little kind of bar thing, and this this band was jamming. This band that was just jamming just for, you know, like for um for tips or whatever. That, mm-hmm. that was that was so good. And Lizzie walked around and collected some money for him. And they come over and hung with us. And uh, they were talking about Sweden. You know, I've been to Sweden back in this year and telling us wow. these little stories. And then they walked away. And I said to Lizzie, "Who are those guys?" And it was Johnny Cash's band. <laughs> oh, crazy, isn't that crazy? Members from Johnny Cash's band. Just dude, just jamming because they just love the music. So on a Monday night, instead of sitting at home, they're just out there just playing. That's that's amazing. It's it's so cool. And, and for me, you know, not to be that guy, but like, but as a, a budding musician and as a guitar player that just loves it for me to be able to go around. And, and when I got here, um, you know, this was like six months ago. Obviously, I still live in L.A. and everything. But when I got here like six months ago, I was hanging out and in a matter of two hours, I'd saw more insane guitar playing than I'd ever seen in my whole life. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, what's in the water here? What are they feeding these people? <laughs> Talent everywhere. It's so cool, man. Love it. Well, um, so you yeah, we're doing behind the vinyl. Um uh-huh. and uh the record we're going to talk about today is uh one that you picked, Rival Sons, their latest album, Feral Roots. Yeah, man. Yeah, I love that record. It's it's such an amazing record. And ironically, or or just you know, I don't know what ironic is the right word, but um, that that was recorded in Nashville. Yes, yeah, it's uh, what's. I think the reason I picked that Rival Sons Feral Roots record is I was here in Nashville, which is funny, with Joe and Lizzie from Hailstorm, uh-huh. and we ended up going to their pre-Grammy. They they did an acoustic set for Feral Roots. Uh, It was pre-Grammy because they obviously had been nominated at the RCA studio with Dave Cobb, the the producer. So here I am on a 
Thursday night or whatever it is, and we go to RCA Studios and we watch them play most of this record acoustically, and it was incredible. Amazing. That's amazing. Killer. Had, you, had you been into that studio before? I'd never been. I'd never been. It's you know, it's like hollowed ground here. It's so legendary. And I'd never been there. And it's one of those places where you walk in and you can feel it right away. You can feel yeah. like like the magic and you feel the years of of the music recorded there. So it was a really special moment. And uh, man, it's it's a thing I won't forget. And I think that's one of the reasons I probably picked this record, because after watching them play and just being in that moment, it gave me like a whole nother love for this record. Yeah. This record really is. It's from from top to bottom. Yeah, you know, opening song to to the final song is just just so nice and so tasty. The playing on this is so it's just really tasty and, and playing for the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that um, you know, as a as a guitarist and and as someone that you know, like all of us, we're we're in love with with rock and roll. We're in love with the form, the songwriting, and all this stuff. I think on this record, they were able to take it to a new place. Even even for them, they were able to tap in further into what the old the other records were. You know, um, I, I just it's it's next level for Rival Sun stuff. It's it's really beautiful. thinking like and, and me and darren have talked we've talked about this before um also because i mean you, you can't deny that i mean there there's influences and there's a zeppelin vibe to some of the stuff that rival sons do but we've talked about this and said that the funny thing is that if a band in any way is influenced or you know has has that vibe of led zeppelin it's looked down upon but mm-hmm. if you're a band that plays something that is similar to Black Sabbath, um, you're hailed as a really cool band. Do you agree? I do agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. It's it's a really weird thing, isn't it? Um, I don't know why it's like that. Yeah, because you'll get you'll get someone, uh, for instance, playing something that literally sounds as if it were something that Sabbath recorded for a b-side and they put it out and people think it's the best thing but yeah Yeah. obviously the zeppelin vibe gives i don't know why people have such a strong is it because they think zeppelin's maybe untouchable in a certain way that if anyone even tries i don't know it's it's a weird thing i've as as a artist and as a music lover i don't agree with it at all i think that it's a celebration you know especially with something like the rival sons I've never, you know, once put on Rival Sons, especially with this record, and thought to myself, oh, man, they're just, they're trying to do this or they're trying to do that. It's no. their own sound, man. They're they're cutting their own, you know, row in that lineage of that sound. But no, it's so weird. I'm I'm with you guys on that, though, man. It's yeah, it's, not... it's, it's the same thing with, with like, if, do you remember the band Kingdom Come? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. When, yeah, when their first record came out, came out 1989 or whatever it was, or 88, 
Same thing there that they got a lot of criticism for, you know, they sound just like Led Zeppelin. But mm-hmm. I love that album and I love their second album. And it's, I don't know, it's just funny. It is, it is a weird thing. The only thing I can say is people, it must be something psychologically that like with Zeppelin, yeah. it's like, don't touch it. Right. <laughs> like, you know, because, you know, you can count on how many bands sound Sabbath. They're right. just totally of that school or even, you know, moving further down the line, how many bands went for the Aerosmith thing or yeah. they went for, you know, it's, it's, or ACDC, you know, we can literally look at all of the Titans of classic rock, if you want to say it yeah. and follow the, the vein down to bands that straight up took right off them but Zeppelin's a weird one and I feel that sucks and I I, and the guys in Rival Sons they must they must feel that and I'm sure though now they laugh it off or whatever because you know with a record like especially like the Feral Roots album you know they took it they went somewhere else with it that's what I love about it so much Mm. and and it's also um we shouldn't forget even if there is a little bit of Zeppelin uh, influence. It's it's paying homage, you know. It's paying homage yeah. to the guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, especially when you're talking about Jay as a singer, I think it's a little bit lazy of critics or journalists or whatever to to just reference Led Zeppelin too, because uh, there's no doubt he's you know he's he's of the of the level of of Robert Plant when Robert Plant was was in his heyday. So so it's a little bit lazy of people too just to to write it off as that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And also Jay, um, after witnessing him live in certain elements, not only in the Rival Sons thing, but doing his own solo stuff and seeing him acoustic with the band, there's so many influences there. One of my favorite singers was Steve Marriott from Humble Pie. Oh yeah, of right? course. Yeah. I'm I'm going back, right? But obviously he plays homage to him. But he has such a depth to his voice that it's it is lazy and it, and frankly i think that anyone that is to say that is just looking at what other people are trying to say or you know they're they're being completely just one dimensional when they look at them Let's dig a little bit with um, with this album. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off with um, uh, "Do Your Worst," you know. And and one thing I think uh, Scott Holiday, guitarist who, who did this show actually and picked um, ZZ Top, um, so I oh, can kind awesome. of feel it. Yeah, I can feel a little bit of uh, Billy Gibbons playing in, in Scott's playing definitely as well. Um, but he's a little bit. I think Scott's a hugely underrated player. You know, his his riffing and and again his tasty playing is um, is so great on this record. I am so with you. I think he's such an underrated player. Um, going along with that, do your worst. Right when that song opens up, that riff, you hear that. It's like the beauty about Scott's playing is 
he has a grace, he has a vibe, and he has a certain style that is missing in a lot of players. He can play something simple. He can play something that is very understated and make it sound massive, you know? And I think that just because he's not super flashy all the time or super, you know, crazy technical guitar player, he gets overlooked. But the reality is like all of, almost all of my favorite players, especially of that, you know, ilk in that genre, they didn't need to be flashy. They were able to say exactly what needed to be said in a riff. And I think Scott's one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that goes back to the Led Zeppelin reference. Um, like Jimmy Page, you know, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's an interesting guitar player. He's a little bit sloppy. Let's be honest. He's a little bit sloppy at times. And that's what makes him really, you know, Jimmy Page. Absolutely, man. And a lot of people will say that and they, they almost try and hold it against him. Or you look at a Keith Richards or someone, someone like that. And it's like, what do you expect of these guys? Do you think they're going to have uh Ingve style chops <laughs> or, or all of a sudden you're going to hear a Zeppelin record and Jimmy page is going to be sweet picking. It's like, it's not, that's what I love about all this stuff too, is there's, there's such a natural grace about it. And that's why I really get on with the rival son stuff is it continues that tradition, which is just something I feel like now, especially we need more than ever in music in general, not only rock music, but music in general is that natural kind of that feel. You mentioned Ingve. I mean, how do you feel about a guy like that? I mean, love him, love him. Yeah, <laughs> I I have such a respect. I mean, okay, how how can I say this? He's probably one of the most infamous guys, yeah. right? As far as uh, his attitude on and off. Unleashed the fury. <laughs> yeah, dude, you've unleashed the fury. Um, I I think Ingve is such a character. And I think that what he does is he's one of a kind, right? Yeah. Um, I've met him with Swedish friends and he wouldn't speak Swedish to him. So there's, there's certain elements about Ingve that are kind of, you know, yeah. you really, you don't know what to think, but wow. as far as a guitarist, he's a guitarist, guitarist. I mean, technically, um, you know, when when I think about a guy like Ingve, not to get off topic here, but I see that stuff he did early on, like Rising Force, right, or Black Star, any of that stuff. <laughs> it was insane it, at the time. You know, he was breaking new ground. Yeah. But sometimes people can be their own worst enemies, right? And I think that Ingve kind of put himself in into a a, a box a little bit with yeah. uh, with you know, not necessarily he didn't put him in, but the way that he was treating people or. Yeah, you know, it it just came off bad. Yeah, who, who, funny who's thing your, is that um, he's very he's very unSwedish. Mm-hmm. He's very unSwedish. I've heard yeah, that from all my Swedish friends too. Yeah, because Swedes are more like more um, laid back, and we have this thing that you know you're not supposed to think you're better than anybody else. Right, right. And he's he's quite the opposite of that, which is a cool thing. It's it's cool, and but it, it's also like where does the line? stop right yeah yeah right yeah. so but 
I'm I, I must say I'm I'm a fan of all sorts of different stuff. And I've seen Ingve uh play live a few times. Um one of my friends, uh Zach Wild, not to like name drop hard, he did the tour with Ingve, <laughs> the Generation X tour. And I right. saw Ingve play. And it is a pretty fun sight to see him in front of a zillion Marshall amps doing yeah. a, a uh doing a kick into the splits basically while sweet picking like no one's ever done you know it's it's pretty funny cool uh, speaking speaking of zach wild um he I, I heard the story that he saw you i think he maybe maybe blasco his his manager forwarded a video clip of you playing and uh he got on the phone and rung you up and asked you to come out on tour with him yes he did <laughs> yeah it, it was it was crazy it was a. Uh, uh, it was a moment. There was a, a mini documentary that came out. Uh, Honda sponsored it. These uh, these documentary guys in LA made it, and it was basically charting me playing in a parking lot to no one, to jamming with Leonard Skinner in Germany to like fourteen thousand people. You know, and uh, <laughs> it came out and it did it did crazy well. Like in the first day, it got like five million views. I'm like, oh shit, really? Yeah, and. I remember specifically watching I would I would refresh my phone on Facebook to like where the video was or on YouTube or whatever and it went from like 9000 views 12000 14 20 and I was just like oh my and all the way up to I think I think it ended up getting like 7 million views or something like that but um yeah Zach's Blasco forwarded it to Zach the day after it came out and literally I had a call with a no caller ID on my cell phone, and I was like, who is this? So I answered, he's like, hey, man, what's up? It's Zach Wild. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I just was like, what? <laughs> it, it's, um, I could totally see where, where you and Zach fit together. You know, the you, you guys have the same kind of, um, same kind of aura in regards to your playing, especially those, those Pride and Glory, Book of Shadows kind of Zach Wild era. I tell you what, I was, Growing up, he was one of my heroes, right? I mean, like, I remember buying guitar magazines, and Zach would be, like, the centerfold, you know, and I'd hang it on my wall. It'd be him hanging a Les Paul, and, you know, I was such a fan and of Ozzy. Some of the first memories I have of seeing shows was going to Ozfest and seeing Zach play with Ozzy and Black Label Society and stuff. And, you know, come now, we're, we're such great friends, and it still kind of blows my mind. You know, I'll call Zach. What's going on? What are you doing today? You know, and we'll sit and chat and, you know, for, for an hour or whatever. And I just talked to him yesterday, you know, and it's just like, I don't want to say like a father figure, but it's almost like, you know, he checks in on me and, and we keep up. And um, I'm, I'm so happy to say that, you know, when, when a guy like Zach Wild says, like, I'm proud of you, it's, it's a pretty historic thing. You're just like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah, right. Man. On the mountain where I was born, there are trees that would call my name. Say, keep your eyes open, and we'll teach you to dream while you are away. 
Well, they haven't spoken Since their branches were broken For the fire that they told me to What, what else, um, what, what, how did you, in regards to the guitar, what else shaped your, your playing? Because you, you have a very distinctive, um, distinctive style of playing and also you're, you're, you're very aggressive in the way that you attack the guitar. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Gary Moore. Gary Moore had that same, you know, attacking the guitar and, and did, you know, to get the best out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, um, well, first, I should say the attacking the guitar really for me, like Gary and like like a lot of our guitar heroes, I think it just comes from like the passion of it and like the the excitement. Every time I pick up a guitar and I get excited, like I'm like a little kid and I I just channel all of my all of my energy and my emotion it just all comes out when i play guitar so for me it's it's pretty mind-blowing still to think you know like that i've come this far as far as like technically wise too because to me i was i'm a fan first and and i i give so much of my you know guitar playing it is really just a passionate thing for me but i must say i think the thing that kind of differs me from a lot of players is I'm left-handed when I write, I write with my left hand. And when I started Ooh. to play guitar, I remember I flipped the guitar. I, I took a righty and I flipped it. So I was playing it like a lefty would and it kind of felt good. And, uh, I remember I went for a guitar lesson. My parents got me a guitar lesson and the teacher said, first things first, you're holding the guitar upside down. <laughs> I didn't know any better. I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Like, this feels good. And they said, you have to flip it. And I said, oh, well, I'm left-handed and this feels right. And the teacher said, hey, listen, I know that you're left-handed, but trust me, you should be playing a righty guitar because you're going to have such a hard time finding guitars. And he said, and I just don't want to teach you backwards. He's like, it's going to make it harder for me. And at the Ooh. time, I was just like, okay, yeah, I was like, okay. And if you guys want to know something really funny, that guy has become a friend of mine. He's from back <laughs> home where I'm from. I saw him. He came to a show I was playing with uh, with John Five about six months ago. And we sat down and we were talking. And he said, hey, man, I got to get something off my chest. And I was like, yeah. He goes, I'm so sorry that I told you that. He's like, I feel so horrible. He's like, <laughs> he's like, now I'm that guy that like changed your, and I was like, no, it's okay. Like, he's <laughs> like, I feel horrible about it, which is pretty funny to me. But um, anyway, so I flipped the guitar and I was playing normally right-handed, but what felt weird was playing with a pick. I just never got along with it. I always felt kind of like when you're playing with your fretting hand, you know, you're using your fingertips. I always felt with picking, I wanted to use my fingertips as well. So I could feel every note under it. It just felt like I was more connected with the guitar. So I played with the pick for a little while. And then I got to this point where I was like, you know what, 
I screw it. I just need to play with my fingers because that's what feels right. So I just went wholeheartedly into that. And it gave me a different tone. It gave me a different dynamic. And I really started to, you know, dig deep in it. And I didn't have someone showing me what to do. It was like I was just kind of teaching myself and using my ear and using, you know, using different techniques like that to get sounds out. And man, I was like one of those guys. I mean, I was playing guitar for 12 hours a day from the time I was 16 to honestly, till I was 26, 27, when we started to get on the road more. Um, I just loved it. I would bring my guitar with me everywhere. I'd bring it to school. And so I would always be practicing these techniques. And um, I think that was one of the first things that really helped me shape my style and sound was simply not playing with a pick and having to figure out how to get those sounds on an electric guitar without a plectrum. Does that Love it. Totally, totally. <clears throat> I was sitting next to Jeff Beck once. There's a magazine called Mojo. And oh, yeah. They have an, yeah, they have an award um, each year. And I was sitting next to Jeff Beck, and um, I happened to say something to him. Oh, I got one of your guitar picks um, somewhere. I can't remember where I got it, but I got one, and it, it had Guess Who written across it. And and he just looked at me, and I don't know why I said that, because I know he doesn't play with the guitar pick, and he just looked at me and just goes, uh, that's a record company gimmick, mate. And I was just, that's I felt like, so funny. <laughs> like two foot, two foot tall, you know, coming from the record industry as well. I just felt like two foot tall, just like, oh, fuck. I just <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this, man. I always, when we play shows now, even uh, being on the road, people will come up and, oh, Jared, I'm, I, and they'll say, I'm like your biggest fan. And I love the way you play guitar. Can I have a pick? <laughs> and it's like the dead giveaway where you go, oh, I, you know, you don't really want to say it, but I just say, oh, you know what? I'd have to cut my finger off, man. I don't use a pick and you should see their face. And they're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> but the, that's the funny thing. These days you see like certain bands, even the drummer has a pick that they hand out to the crowd. Yeah, I know. And it I don't know how I feel about that, guys. I just yeah. don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. So, also, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a guitar player at all. I, I know nothing. But for me, it just feels like, is it harder to play without a pick? Or is that just as easy to, as to play with a pick? No, man. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, it's so much harder to do this or whatever. <laughs> but really, when it came down to it, when I switched from, you know, playing with a pick to, to not, the first thing I noticed is like, you don't realize how much just the way you hit the string, whether it's with your thumb or a pick or your nail, whatever, it really changes the whole sound and it changes the whole approach. So it is a lot more difficult in a way that I can't, you know, I had to really adjust how I played and what I played. You know, I couldn't go dun 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 dun, you know, with a thumb. Right. So I had to figure out different ways to get it to sound aggressive, which is a cool thing because now it's like after developing my own kind of uh, style without a pick, I'm able to, you know, especially when I'm writing and when I'm, you know, recording stuff. I have a lot of different tools. I can, I can hit things a lot differently because I, I think about it now when you're only using a pick, you're limited. And when I'm using my hands, I can use all five fingers. You know, it's a different, it's just a different style, different approach. And, right. and not a lot of people do it, obviously. So 
I was able to uh, kind of hone in and carve my own sound out. But I'd say it's more difficult, especially once you start touring, because like, man, I've had to use like super glue. I've had to use <laughs> duct tape I've, just to keep my hands together. I remember the first time I was playing in Sweden, we were playing outside of Göteborg. The drummer lived in a small uh, little uh, town that was called uh, Alingsos. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yep. Yep. And there's a, it was called the station. It's a little, little like bar there. And we were playing there. Dude, I ripped my thumbnail completely off. Oh, I'm, oh. I'm, ta I'm talking last note. I think I went bam and that <laughs> sucker ripped off. And I, you know, we were halfway through our tour. So I still had to play, you know, it's just a lot more physical, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's swing it back to the record for a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, we did the we did the Zeppelin thing. See, I also hear some of Slashes playing on this record, and definitely when you get to a song like uh, "Stood by Me," I get a really oh, yeah. rolling Rolling Stones vibe to that. I totally get a Stones vibe to that song. Um, I get a yeah, me too, man, me too. His his um, both vocally um, and uh, and and playing wise is just. You know, it, it goes on, it takes you on so many journeys. This album, from from the do your worst to the the look away, that kind of, you know, to the feral roots. Um, is there a song that stands out for you? Feral roots for sure, um, just because it's so different. It's it, it like you said, it takes you somewhere else. Really, too, and something that I I don't want to say I put on the back burner because I don't. But what really struck me with this record was the lyric content. You know, I okay. was really, I really found myself listening, especially on like Feral Roots. I really found myself listening to it. And it was like an imagination, it was like the storyline, you know what I mean? Which is something that's super cool. You can tell that he was really wanting to take us somewhere lyrically. 
and obviously melodically. Um, one of my favorite songs on the record is Too Bad. No, it's, it's acoustically. It's, have, have you heard their acoustic versions of that? Yes. Oh my yes. God. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And what I love about that tune, especially, is it feels to me, because I'm such a blues rock lover, I get that vibe. I get that with the guitar, especially when, when that riff comes in. But also, it could have been a soul song. It could have been, uh, you know what I mean? There's, there, it goes so many different places. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love that. And obviously, the one that gets stuck in my head the most is Back in the Woods, which is oh, such a weird that. song. You know, the guitar parts on there. I remember yeah. when I first heard it, I was like, what is this? Where is this going to go? And yet again, you get on this journey. And once that's that uh, the chorus kicks in, you know, you just that gets stuck in your head. And I, I love it, man. Absolutely. And, and obviously, the, that starts with the drumming, the drumming intro and then drops into the into the um, yeah, the killer riff yet again from Scott. Amazing. The killer riff, which is comes from I don't know where sometimes with Scott as a player, you know, I, I when I listen to something, when I listen to whether it be new or old or whatever. I get stuck with my guitar head and I'm thinking, oh, how is he playing that? What is he playing there? And sometimes with him, I go, Scott, where are you getting these ideas? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's weird and cool and funky all at the same time. Well, we, we mentioned, uh, or Darren mentioned Billy Gibbons earlier. And I remember we did uh, Behind the Vinyl with Scott and we uh, he picked Eliminator with CZ Top. And, awesome. Uh, apparently he, he is a big uh, a big fan of Billy Gibbons. And I think he, he also said that that Billy Gibbons was kind of, I don't know, underrated or something like that, that he doesn't get enough credit for being a great guitar player. I think that he's totally right. I mean, the thing about Billy Gibbons is it's like unmistakable. Everything he does, even his solos, mm. we when when I hear them, especially on the hits, if let's say I'm in the store or whatever and give me all your loving or some of this other stuff off eliminators on you can hum the solos you can yeah. you you literally they're like as big of a part as the main riffs um i've had such the honor man and the pleasure not only to jam with billy quite a few times but also to just be like a fly on the wall when he's been rehearsing or you know i've i've been able to be in that situation i was i did a thing in january it was at the grove in uh Los Angeles, it was, I was jamming with Slash, Billy Gibbons, uh, Don Felder from the Eagles, uh, Joe and Lizzie from Hailstorm were there, Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest. We had this huge jam. Ooh, damn. And it was incredible. But what was so funny about this was I was at the rehearsals, right? And Billy walks in and he goes, hey, man. And I've met him a few times. Like, we've had some good times together. Uh, but I never would expect Billy to like remember me. You know, he's too much of a rock star. But he goes, "Hey, brother." He's like, "Remember that time we were drinking beer? Uh, we were drinking grapefruit beer here in Nashville." And he brought that up, and I couldn't believe that he remembered. And I was like, "Yeah, I do." And he goes, "I got something for you." And he pulled out his hot sauce out of his pocket, pulls out a hot sauce, right? And he gives it to me. And then he goes, "Do me a favor, help me set up my guitar." So I go up there, and I'm basically Billy Gibbons' guitar tech, and <laughs> I set up the guitar and, you know, his style and everything he does is so different. Like he uses really thin guitar strings and he's a very simple player when you think about it. But I remember 
the specific moment when he picked up the guitar after I had and I played, it sounded like me. And then when I handed it to Billy and he played, it sounded like those records. Wow. It's such a cool thing. I heard him play. I couldn't believe it. he was playing um, Tush uh. and he hit that riff. And I was like, there's Billy. It's, you know, <laughs> he is a really underestimated guitar player as well, you know, because I feel like not only does he have like the style, the, the touch, the feel, he's everything wrapped into one. You know, he, the songs and the riffs he wrote are so classic and such a part of rock history, just as much as Whole Lot of Love, you know? Yeah. He's, he's very underestimated. You know, you take simple things like LaGrange. Every time we hear that, you know, it's like ZZ Top, Billy Gibbons. But when you really break it down, the things he did were so understated but so powerful. True. Love it. So true. Did, does that give you um, – does that inspire you to play with these players still now? Now you're becoming friends with them. Like I, I first heard about you from Nikki Six, ironically. Um, that's my first introduction to who you were. Do you mm -hmm. ever – does that, does, that, like, does that give you drive to uh, – to to keep moving forward and and improving as a player oh my goodness absolutely well just to be honest the first thing it does it kind of freaks me out man like really like when nikki hit me up i like couldn't believe it i was like here's me you know because i don't want to say it like in a weird way but first and foremost i'm a fan of like all this stuff and and i love music so much and you know for me playing it's so personal and then to have a guy like nikki six call you and be like, hey, man, and start to talk to me about how he wrote Dr. Feelgood or how they did this or how they did this. It kind of freaks me out because, you know, you think to yourself, wow, so Nikki Six is checking me out? Like, what? What? I hope I was good. I can remember him telling me that he was addicted to your Instagram. He was like, you got to follow this kid. I'm, I'm addicted to his Instagram. And Amazing, um, yeah. It's amazing, and uh, it it gives me a lot of hope, and it it uh, it inspires me honestly more than Nikki will ever know. You know what I mean? It's like to be able to talk to these guys, and and the first thing I notice is how human they are. If it's Zach Wild or Nikki Six or Johnny Depp, you realize how human they are and how much they love it just as much as we do, and it's inspiring, and it makes me want to push harder and go higher than I even ever imagined. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because a lot of people only know these guys from the records they made or from what they've heard from other people. But when you're able to talk to them and have a conversation, just, you know, guy to guy and talk about, you know, I can talk to, I talked to Nikki about writing riffs or I talked to Zach Wilde about being on tour or how we wrote this solo or whatever. It goes a lot deeper. And not only do I have a deeper respect for them as artists, but it just shows me that, you know, being a good human and, and being a, a, you know, a music lover first, that's, that's what's most important. And it keeps it exciting.
should you, you should hit hit Nikki up and write something. I would love to. You know, we actually talked about that. You know, I I think obviously with those guys, I was talking to Zach on the phone yesterday. I said, Hey Zach, I would love to write some songs with you. And he was like, he goes, well, I think you're doing pretty good on your own there. You know? <laughs> and, and I was like, no, I was like, you know what I mean? And he was like, he's like, well, yeah, I'd love to obviously. And I talked to, to Nikki about that. And, you know, I, I would love to sit down with some of these guys and really be able to focus and, you know, write something. I, I would, I would be geeking out on the inside. You know what I mean? And it would be so much fun. What, what about you as a vocalist? How, how do you look at like um, what does someone like Jay from Rival Sons bring to you vocally? Oh man, he's honestly I feel the same way vocally as I do as a guitarist. It's the the thing that really inspires me, especially about Jay, like as a vocalist, is you hear his personality, you hear his soul coming through, and I think as a guitarist. That's what I always look for, the common trait. It's not about speed. It's not about technique. It's about hearing that vulnerability. It's about hearing whoever it is playing or singing at any given moment. You're, you're hearing them. You know, you're hearing their actual, I don't want to say soul, but you're hearing whatever pain, whatever joy coming through. And I think Jay expresses that just as good as anyone ever has. You know, when he sings, he means it. When, when he's, when, whether it's a whisper or a scream, it's, there's, there's a sense of power and there's a sense of individuality that, you know, it's, it's unmistakable, man. You know, like I said, when I saw them play acoustically, that's when it really struck with me, his power as a vocalist. And it inspires me too, you know, um, I, I don't want to say that, you know, I'm, I'm only thinking about guitar, guitar, or this or that, you know, I think about the whole picture and, and I realize how important it is to be able to show that sense as a vocalist. And Jay's been a great influence on me. And he's been such a good dude to me that, you know, yet again, his style is so infectious that it can only help but inspire me. But also, I mean, when did you discover your voice? Oh, it, it took so long. It really did because I didn't know what my voice was. And the only way I was able to discover it was I had to strip back everything I thought I had to do. I had to strip back, you know, when I first started singing, I, I didn't know. I, I thought I wanted to sound like a blues guy. I didn't know. I was kind of lost. And really when it came down to it, I started from the bottom. I started from the easiest thing I could. I literally was sitting with an acoustic guitar for months, singing not only songs that inspired me, you know, cover songs, but I would just start to write my own music and I would record myself. And what I started to see was common traits when I, I thought to myself, okay, this sounds like me. It's kind of like with the guitar, what I had to do. I had to kind of strip it back to the most primitive things in order to find myself. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't concerned with, oh man, I want to be able to sing really high. I want to, you know, I, I didn't think of it like that. I thought, how am I going to sound like me? And yeah. once I, I started my own trio and once I started touring, you know, it's a work in progress. I, and I think as a, as a songwriter as well, you know, you're not on your first record or on your first song, you're not 
finding who you are as an artist or who, you know, your individuality. I think that's, that's like a journeyman thing. You know what I mean? It, it takes time. And for me, I just try and be really honest. I try and be superhuman about everything I do. Just like, just put myself in the moment, put myself in the music and that's that's all I can do. But as a vocalist, too, you know, we had that funny thing when I moved to L.A. to start the band. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine. And he goes, well, who's going to sing? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. And he goes, well, either you're going to have to sing or you're going to have to find someone to sing. And he goes, and if you find someone to sing, what if it turns into like an Axl Rose situation? And I was like, <laughs> ree, ree. I was like, oh, no, you know, <laughs> so I just said to myself. I'm going to try and I'm going to do the best I can. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a train wreck for a while. I, I didn't know, but I just kept trying and I just kept pushing. Huh. What, what about the, um, the, the physicality of it? Cause you talked about how the road is brutal on your fingers. How do you, how do you go with your voice? I'm so lucky knock on wood, but I've never, lost my voice i've i've always had a voice that was really strange i knew it when i first made when i made my first record old glory in the wild revival yep. i had this thing where i was in the studio and we were trying to get my voice to open up because the producer at the time i was working with uh eddie kramer oh of shit. All people. Okay. yeah yep. Talk about being nervous. <laughs> talk, <laughs> talk about being in the room with a legend and, and just standing there. I, dude, I was so freaked out working with Eddie. It turned into a beautiful thing and a beautiful relationship, which I'm forever grateful for. But at the time, you know, he even said to me, he goes, I've worked with the best vocalist of all time. He's like, I need you to channel your inner Robert Plant. And I'm sitting there going, what? <laughs> like, what? So I remember he started pushing me vocally. And he said, harder, sing it harder. And I would try and sing it harder. He goes, no, 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 don't. He goes, you need to breathe, breathe from your stomach. You know, there was all of these things that kept happening where he was pushing me, pushing me. And I found that my voice was pretty durable. It was like the more I sang and the harder I sang, I was able to really kind of pull from within. So I've been really lucky, man. I haven't really had to look for you know certain special things to do you know i'll try and warm up with an acoustic guitar backstage whatever but i've been pretty good my voice is pretty strong and uh and i'm able to push it Just swinging it back to uh, back to this record. Have you? Um, you obviously you know the guys. Um, you've seen them a few times. Have you ever played with them at all? You know what? I've never played with the guys, but I was actually talking to Jay about potentially writing some songs together, which would be very cool. Um, you know, with, with, with the rival sons or with uh, yeah, his with, side projects. With, maybe just with him. Maybe something for myself, or you know, just getting together and writing, very which I cool. think could be super cool the first time i saw the rival sons was they had a record release party i think the record was it head down 
that yep, record. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there was like 10 people there. And I was able to go. And this was in 2012, 2013. Um, at that point, they were going to jam, but it, it never turned up. And it was like, oh, if you want, you can jam with them. So I never had the chance yet. I should say yet but I'm really hoping in the future, man, I'd love to tour with those guys. I'd love to do some songwriting stuff. It would just be awesome. But there are, there are, be a great tour that you, you with them would be a great tour, especially over here in Europe. I think hell yeah. really well. yep. I would love that. I would love that. But they're, 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 um, they're a killer live band. And also as we've, we've talked about Jay's singing voice and all that, because um, me and Darren saw him, uh, right before Christmas last year, mm-hmm. um, and um, they're—I mean—they're just amazing live. I feel like they've been doing this for such a long time that they've been able to harness their power, like on all yeah. fronts. Like when I saw the acoustic thing, I couldn't believe it. Seeing them live as well—I've—I've I've seen them live a few times. Every single time, I'm just like damn <laughs> like you know there's there's only a few bands especially now i don't want to say like i'm i'm like uppity about new bands but when i see when i see like a band like rival sons play i know what i'm getting into i know what i can expect and it's it's awesome yeah and also with with this album parts of it was recorded uh at muscle shoals mm-hmm. legendary place and I remember talking to him also how that kind of um, it it how it kind of influences the music in a way. Do you feel that way as well? Like the the place where you're recording that it can have uh, a really powerful impact on the music you're recording. Yes, one hundred percent. And I've been lucky enough to record at some pretty crazy places, um, Abbey Road, oh, in, in England. We were able to do a day there tracking for old glory and then um for instance a black magic record i was able to do 90 percent of that at johnny depp's home studio which was right dude that was crazy because it was in the exact same time when the hollywood vampires were making their record and then uh, joe perry is making his solo record so i was able to go there and i don't know it's it's a weird feeling when you're able to make music in certain spaces, you know, like that's why I feel like inspiration is such a big deal, especially creatively making a record, you know, for them in Muscle Shoals and when they're at, at fame and all that stuff, it's going to bring something different out. I yeah. don't know. You can't really pinpoint what it's going to bring out, but there is a certain element. Like I know for me, there's, there's an excitement. There's, there's a vibe. It's like when I walked into RCA studios, when they were doing their acoustic thing, there's a certain power that comes from these places that kind of takes over and it, and it pushes you in a, in a weird way. I don't know if it's, I don't want to say it's cosmic, but there's something going on that's just deeper. And if you're able to tap into it, it can obviously be a really beautiful thing. Yeah. What's it like recording at Johnny Depp's place? That, Crazy. I've shook, hands with, I've shook hands with Johnny Depp, and that's the closest I've ever get to a Hollywood A-lister. <laughs> well, what was funny about it is one of my best friends is his name's Tony Perry. I made Black Magic with him. It's it's Joe Perry's son, so he was an engineer for Joe and Johnny and the Hollywood Vampire stuff, and he was you know he was family there, and he brought me in. He ended up playing 
Joe and Johnny and uh, producer Jack Douglas, who had done right. Cheap Trick and uh, yeah. Aerosmith uh, all, yeah, absolutely. And all that stuff. Yep. He brought them some of my demos and showed them. And they were like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it got to the point where Joe Perry was in interviews, man, and he's telling people I'm his favorite guitar player of the last 30 years. And I'm sitting there going, what? <laughs> like, what? How? You know, and it's just crazy. So long story short, I'm getting ready to make Black Magic. And Tony goes, and we didn't have a place really to record it. We're thinking, oh, where could we go? You know, we're in L.A. We could rent this studio. Or we could try it here, blah, blah, blah. And my my buddy Tony goes, well, dude, Johnny loves you. Joe loves you. Why don't we just go to Johnny's house and make this record? And I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> but it worked out, and we were able to go there. We would, They would record at night, right? They would record all night or whatever. So what we would do is we would go in at like 11 a.m., record from 11 to 6 or 11 to 7, and then once they started getting in, you know, we would phase out and they would swap. So it was really cool. I remember one day, even we went there, we were recording for about three hours and, uh, Tommy Henriksen comes in from Alice Cooper's band and he goes, Hey guys, Alice will be here soon. You know, you were going to have to wrap it up early today. And I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, cool. I better, I better wrap this up because Alice Cooper is coming in. <laughs> to record. It's just a weird thing. And I remember my buddy, uh, Tony was like, yeah, Johnny's going to probably ask you if you want to stay at the studio. Cause it's a, it's a mansion. It's, you know, it's, it's a house. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it the house across the road from him or next door to where he lives? Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it's like this cul-de-sac of houses. And one of the mansions is the studio. And it was just, man, it was such a cool thing to be able to do that. And of course he has all this amazing artwork and amazing guitars, obviously. So it, I it goes back to what you had just said before about being in a certain space and being inspired. I was so inspired. That record, man, I was doing things like first take because it just felt oh, right. Okay. You know, like yeah. I feel like that's when you know, you know, you're onto something or you're you're kind of you're in it is when you're literally making music in real time and it's like, yeah, that feels good. Let's just let's keep that. Let's go to the next thing. You know what I mean? You're not yeah. sitting there just trying to keep breaking it down, breaking it down. You're just creatively sparked. You know, you're you're on point. But one of the things about Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, which I think people keep overlooking, is first and foremost, he's a musician. He come to LA to be a musician, and acting was kind of the second string for him, not not the other way around. Totally. Yeah, I I, I remember I met Johnny the first time. Um, he was sitting in with Aerosmith at the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, I remember I met him and, and they were like, yeah, Johnny Depp's going to come play. And I was kind of like, I'd heard he was a musician back in the day. And I knew that he had owned the Viper Room where I'd played a bunch in L.A. and stuff. But at that point, I hadn't really realized. And I was like, oh, you mean Johnny Depp, the A-list actor, is going <laughs> to play guitar? You know, and then it kind of like I was able to it kind of sunk in. And then there was like an after party at this place in LA on, on the strip called pink taco. And he was there and there was guitars around and stuff. It was just weird. And, uh, it was cool though. And it, I think the, the coolest part about it is, is he's not afraid to, you know, go on stage and, and make music, you know, he doesn't hide behind anything. He's, he's playing, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Love it. Excellent. Um, swinging back onto you, 
Um, you, um, we unfortunately, as we just talked about, we missed out on seeing you over here. But yes. um, yeah, you you released a couple of um, a couple of songs recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's what's next for you over here? Like we just just released "Throw Me to the Wolves," who's is out at the moment. Um, yep. What's coming up next? Well, I tell you what, we have a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline um, that we're working on with, you know, making a new record and demoing songs now and going through all that stuff. So, so at the moment, um, I'm not sure exactly when we'll be back, but I know that we were shooting for September, October. Uh, you know, obviously permitting what what will happen as far as music goes and travel. Um, but the biggest thing on my plate, to be honest, is I'm writing a bunch of new tunes just to, I'm, I'm taking this time and, you know, because I honestly, I haven't had a time, even when we were making the last record, I would go tour, I'd come to LA for three or four days, work on some stuff, record for a day, go back out on tour. So this is a really rare time for me to have this amount that I can actually spend crafting songs and working on it and working on ideas. So it's a pretty amazing thing. So the next thing for me is really to just fire out a record. I just want to make a great record, man, and just get back out on the road and tour. Love it. As, as bad as the, uh, the whole coronavirus situation we're in, um, we're hearing that so often now with artists are spending that time, you know, we're going to, we're writing, we're going to go in the studio and we're putting demos down. So once we get out of this little thing that we're in, I think we're going to, we're going to be left with some amazing music off the back of it. So that's, a good I think thing. so too, man. And I think honestly, this kind of takes, even for me, I've noticed being able to pump the brakes a little bit into, uh, it kind of gets you, you know, we get caught in our daily grinds, right? We get caught, especially on tour, right? You're just going, going, going. This gives me the opportunity to kind of stick my head back up and say, okay, as an artist, let me think about this now and make some music and really not have any other distractions as far as getting back on the road yet touring, you know? We can really take the time to craft some stuff. So I think you're absolutely right, man. It's, it's gonna be a lot of great music coming out. Love it. Um, we're going to let you go. Um, thanks, man. Thanks for your time. Great talking to you. Of course. Yeah, awesome. Brother. Thank you. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you guys for taking the time. Dude, no worries. And uh, everyone out there, go and check out uh, Jared James Nichols. Um, his last two tracks are just amazing. Throw Me to the Wolves, out now. Uh, Nails in the Coffin, which is one of the greatest songs of last year. Just a, Oh, cheers. An, an thank amazing you, man. song. Thank um, you so much. And thanks for your time, man. And we will see you very soon. All right, guys. Stay safe. Sweden. You too. There soon. Yes. Cool. Cheers, brother. All right. right. My love is stronger than yours. It's stronger than yours. It's stronger than yours. My love is stronger than yours. Hate will ever be. And my faith is deeper than yours it's deeper than yours it's deeper than yours my faith is deeper